you are the podcast master. What's up, world? It is an absolutely great, great day. Hopefully, you guys are smiling. I hope you guys uh, understand just how great of a day it is. It doesn't matter what's happening in the world. Today is such an amazing day. Hope you guys are having a good week. I want to start this thing off by saying thank you to everybody. Shout out that uh, took the time out of your day to say happy birthday to me uh, yesterday on July 1st, whether it was via social media, text messages, calls, a bunch of people stopped by the gym. Thank you. I, I can't even begin to say how much that means to me that somebody takes the time out of their day, even if it's a couple of seconds, that you think enough about me to take that much time uh, out of your busy life just to say happy birthday. I, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. You have no earthly idea how uh, how special that made my day. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm back. I'm back in Oklahoma. Survived a month in Vegas, believe it or not. I, I don't even know if I believe that I survived a month in Vegas. Golly, um, it flew by, really. I may do a podcast just just about the Vegas trip in the last couple of months. I think that might be next week's episode right after the 4th of July. But uh, survived a month in Vegas, had so much fun. And to be completely honest with you, I thought I would come home from Vegas and be so exhausted and drained and mentally just gone. And I was wrong. I'm so motivated right now. I'm even more motivated now than I was before the Vegas trip. Um, Motivated in a lot of ways. Motivated to be a a better me. uh, Motivated to be a better person. Motivated to be better in the gym. Extremely motivated when it comes to this podcast because the outpouring of positivity the messages, the DMs, the text messages, the tweets. I get them all, guys and and gals. And so thank you. You you don't understand um, how important that is and how much that means to me. So thank you. Um, really excited about the podcast moving forward and uh, excited to see where all of this goes. You know, that's, that's the big thing. Everybody's wondering, what's next? What's going to happen in the world? I don't know, um, but I'm excited about it. I really... Truly, I'm excited. So I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad that we're going to jump into this podcast pretty quickly. I recorded this uh, when we were in Las Vegas during the PBR's Monster Energy uh, Team Challenge. My co-host, Colby Yates, a guy that's no stranger to this podcast. Matter of fact, we we talk a little bit about the last time he was on this podcast. Um, PBR set it up. They wanted to film a couple of these podcasts and video them. And so I said, yeah, they, they said, hey, how about we get Shane Proctor? How about we get Colby Yates? And I was like, perfect. Two of my my closest friends, two guys that I could not respect more, amazing individuals. And uh, I really hope you guys enjoy this. We, we sat down and we just start chopping it up. And um, it's a really good conversation. Colby is one of the most intelligent human beings I have the honor to call friends, and I mean that. He is such a smart guy. He's such a funny guy. He's he's a great human being, and I hope that it resonates how much he cares about this sport, and most importantly, how much he cares about the athletes in this sport, because you're going to be hard-pressed to find anybody that cares more about bull riders than Colby Yates does. It's just that simple. He takes so much time out of his personal life to to give back i think he's an incredible teacher and um he's just a good guy so i want to get to it 
Uh, thank you guys again for all the birthday shout outs. Thank you guys for listening to this. Thank you for subscribing to this podcast. Thank you for, you know, the reviews. Thanks for the ratings. Thanks for everything. Thanks for just seriously making life so amazing. I, I appreciate all of you guys, and I truly appreciate this guy being a friend. So let's get to it. My conversation with the one, the only, Colby Yates. Ain't doing it. I don't do podcasts. I don't do bulls that spin to the right. Didn't do entry fees, meetings, autographs. It's just not my style, man. You ready? Huh? <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> Welcome back. Yeah, I'm ready. We, Let's we, do yeah, it. <laughs> we, uh, a returning guest to, to the podcast. Um, first of all, uh, it's been about a year, a little over a year. since. Has it been that long? Yeah, May 2019. Oh my gosh, boy. Yeah, I fact, have lived a life since then. I got a lot to talk about. Good, because we've got plenty of time and the cameras are rolling. Matter of fact, I think that podcast dropped on May 9th, 2019. And um, first wow. things first, I appreciate you dressing up this time. Sure. Do you yeah. remember what you strolled in? I do remember that. Yeah. Explain to the folks at home what you wore the first time you were on my podcast. I wore what I wear at home when I'm just hanging out with uh, with Cutter. I wear my shorts. I got knee-high socks on. My wife always makes fun of me about that. I don't blame her. And I think I had like a really bright orange As t-shirt. bright as you yep. could. I mean, like you could have worked for the highway department as and a I'm road sure, cone. And right. And I'm sure I didn't match. Nope. But that's another thing that I do. But I, you did have a cowboy hat on. I did have a shorts, cowboy hat tall on. tall socks. Bright orange shirt and a cowboy hat. That's one thing about you is it, it doesn't matter what time of day it is. Like, you're always going to have your lid on. Well, and typically and typically I'm dressed. Yeah. Um, typically pretty nice. Especially but where we are right now in Vegas. I was hanging out in the hotel room. You caught me off guard. I'm ready for this one, man. I, I called you way. at like 11 o'clock at night. And yeah. I'm like, hey, uh, you want to come over and do a podcast, but gracious enough to do it. You're always... Yeah, I wasn't sleeping or anything, whatever. It's fine. But you're always up for, you know, for helping people out. Like, you you really genuinely are. Um, and I think that's a big reason why you're still a part of the PBR. Like, you love helping the next generation, don't you? I do, man. I, I think it's, uh, it's something that, to be honest with you, I wish I had more of yeah. uh, whenever I was younger. But... Um, You know, really, I really feel like for for me, and I know we've talked about this before, but the lessons that I learned in my career Mm -hmm. are going to be worth a whole lot to somebody who will listen. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's like, if I were able to rewind, I can't, number one, I... I would still be tying my hand in mm-hmm. if I didn't, if I wasn't okay with what I accomplished. I'm okay with it. It wasn't what I wanted, but I think in my in my honest opinion, it's what I worked for. So you put in what you what you want to get out. Meaning right? you could have worked harder. Absolutely, absolutely. In what sense? Every sense. Really, I mean, every so if you sense. could go back right now, uh, not necessarily the beginning of your career, easing into the peak of your career, what would you change? Everything, uh, other than right my my writing, because I I felt like at one point at the peak of my career, at one point, um, I, I mean, not to sound you know 
all about myself, but I felt like I could win the world title in wherever I was, right? In the PRCA or PBR, I had a good shot. Um, but I also thought that it was going to come natural, you know, like it was, I'm it was talented. Yeah, I'm, I'm talented. My talent is just going to show up every time I nod my head. No, not going to happen. Were you a gym guy? No, I was not. Nothing. But I was fit, you know, I was really fit. And how though? I like, could where'd have that been, come from? I don't just naturally like. I'm like, I eat cheeseburgers right. every day and I just can't, I'm in bull rider weight. Like I weigh 155 pounds. So if you were, if you were to put yourself in the locker room in 2020, nutrition, nutrition, working out every day. I mean, like making sure that, that physically I was there. Right. I would work every, you know, more more so like just staying lean right lean mean i always said thin to win right <laughs> so uh like cutting cards in vegas yeah that's right man uh so you know I, w- I would do a lot of cardio you know stuff to really keep myself in tip-top shape that way right. um where i could have some stamina but i'd also bulk up in my neck because i had you know a lot of concussions and a hard time with that and i feel like if I would have, you know, worked on that area. I probably wouldn't have had as many concussions as I had. Well, I think we talked about that before because, you know, obviously, like, um, we talk a lot about bull riders today. I've never, ever been a bull rider, but I've studied it the majority of my life. You have been there. You've dealt with uh, a lot of adversity that you've had to overcome. And I think always tell everybody Colby Yates is one of the most positive human beings I've ever been around. Like there's something about just being around Colby puts me in a good mood. The last time we sat down to do a podcast like this, it took a negative dive and we stayed in the, the serious, like the dark side of the sport because we did talk a lot about injuries and things like that. And that's one of the big things that has stuck with me is what you just said, the neck. I think and we see UFC fighters like Chad Mendez, football players in particular, who are constantly bumping heads. They spend a lot of time strengthening the muscles around their neck and those traps and start to build that up. I really do believe that that could help uh, deter some of the head injuries. Well, we see. and the head injuries play a, a serious part in it, right? So, it and we didn't have the protocols that are in place right now, right? right? So the the um, concussion protocols where you have to pass all these tests and, and to be able to ride, we didn't have those. And so, you know, taking you never it back, got to get on. I never would have passed. I mean, like literally, it got to a point where they were giving me the same names to remember the three words. It was like pink chair pony, and I'd like eventually just wrote them down and they'd ask me and I'd just tell them like, you know, I, I knew it. I knew what the answer was. So it was, it was kind of, you know, it wasn't like it should, you know, it should have been different. What my main, my main point of that is though, I would have worked harder on my neck because I feel like the concussions played a part in my success the next ride. Right. And, and some, some of the next rides I did stay on, you know, but it was just, probably dumb luck you know um i think that it slowed my reactions down quite a bit and you know the other part of it is is i wouldn't have drank as much i drank like a fish we had a heck of a time it was a party that's what it was all about atmosphere was different yeah 
Rockstar Life, we had after parties. It was all set up for you. You know, right after the event, you ride your bull, you go to the locker room, and you get to drink beer. You get started right there. Boom, kickstart, yeah. and then off to the after party, and it was all about partying. It was the Wild West back and then. That's, that's what changed my my mindset. I became comfortable just being there, which blows my mind. You know, it, I wasted that part of my career just because I was happy with the fun stuff. Not supposed to be about that. Like your career's so short, uh, you got to take it serious and put in the work. Not and so when you go back to the work part of it, yes, I work out. I wouldn't drink as much, you know. Make sure I work my neck muscles and make sure that I'm I'm lean in tip top shape. But I also, um, I, for for me, I would take it more serious on the mental aspect of it. Um, I think that guys can put in. I think guys can put in, this is a repetitious sport. I think you can put it in mentally. I love visualization. I think it's a, a key component to guys' success if they believe in it and they take the, you know, take the next step. But, you know, working on that part is, is a big part of it. And then going out and getting on practice bowls. The older I got, I thought I do not need to get on practice bowls at my age. I need to just whatever save it up for game day yeah but everybody's got their own opinion right you know it's like oh well you only got so many bulls left in you no you don't no you don't muscle memory's real you've only got so many years left in you right right and so i think that yeah i i could i, sh- I should have worked harder but these things um from experience and from my career and accomplishments or lack of from you know not putting in the full effort, not putting in the full work, I think can be somebody can somebody can learn something from that. When you say lack of, what's the first thing that comes to your brain? Lack of, I, I mean, it, it has to be it has to be like taking care of myself. I, no, I mean, I mean, like when you look at your resume and you you, you said my accomplishments, lack of, or the I lack know, of, I know, it, like the it, world that, title. No, yes, that's the problem because, like I said, at one point. I promise you I could have won the world. I could have won it uh, in the PRCA. I got down to the 10th round at the National Finals Rodeo. I had to be 57 points when a bull just needs to run straight. Really? <laughs> it was that close? It was that close. All I had to do was just stay on my bull, and I won, and I came up short. Rode the bull right at seven seconds, now, bucked off. is that the same year that you set the record in round three? I, yes. You know what I'm talking about. I set about. the record in round three and, and in Eight. round... Was it eight? I, I said the the round three and round eight, yes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that, that was the thing. Like, I, even though, yeah, I just thought it was going to come natural to me the next year. I was handed injuries that I had to deal with um, for the next few years, really, um, that, that held me back a lot. But, you know, looking at the broad picture of it, um, I've seen McBride get knocked out of competition for a long time in a year, six months, seven months, and come back and just dominate. And in way better than somebody that, you know, went the whole year long. So you can't use these things as excuses. And that was one thing that I did. I had some excuses that I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, 
have anymore. What about the argument that a lot of guys make now, and and you're not hearing it as much, but in the last several years, there's been a lot of guys that have said, well, if if he took it as serious, he probably wouldn't be as successful. Like, Does that make sense to you? No. No, it doesn't. Uh, to those people, I say, look at Joe Savitor Lemay. Um, that that's a true uh, definition of serious, mm-hmm. right? Because he seriously doesn't want to win second again. Right. Like that is no doubt about that. And he's putting in the work to make it happen. Yeah, that's serious. He's laser focused. He's not going to lose sight of the world championship. I promise you, he's going to get it. He deserves it. He's putting in Agreed. the hours. And look, there's he's fixing things. He's the best bull rider in the world by a milestone. Like Sage Kimsey, the number one guy in the PRCA who's won six world titles, will more than likely break Donnie Gay's Absolutely. record. Absolutely. Was as humbled as a human being as I've seen when he was competing on Jose's team in this Monster Energy Team Challenge. And he said, Colby. We can't touch this guy. Yeah. And that's like this. It, it's an argument that Sage Kimsey is the best bull rider. Absolutely. In, in the, the conversation. World. Yep. But I don't think he is. And I think he understands that. Now. I think right now. I think right, right now, now. I think right now, today, everybody in and around the arena agrees that today, Jose Vitor Lemmy is the best bull rider in the world, hands down. But. What I think people don't realize is I, I talked to him before one of the events in Guthrie, and I said, how many bulls did you get on this week? And he said, I just got on the last couple of days. And I said, that's not what I asked. How many bulls did you get on? He had gotten on 10 bulls that week with nobody around. And I, I know the type of bulls that he's getting on. They're not little That's a great point. 16, 17 point bulls. Nobody practices like that, man. One of his practice bulls is actually here in this competition. Um, and, and it's a bull that he was using at home in practice and bucked off his first rider here in Vegas. Who's bull, whose bull is it? Uh, Jeremy. Jeremy Walker's. Jeremy yeah. Walker's got a bull that came from Jose's practice pin. Wow. And he's good enough to be in competition. Yeah, that tells me that the guy's not only just practicing, but that whole saying of Perfect practice makes perfect. That's exactly right. That's a huge difference. And I think a lot of guys get, because this is a dangerous sport, and hey, it's scary. No doubt about it. It's scary. And so when you're going out there to a practice pen and you're getting on bulls and it's for nothing, it's not for nothing. That's your problem, right? right? That's the first thing that you have to recognize that it's probably worth more in the practice pen than it is in the $50,000 that you win. It's probably worth more. It's probably the reason why you are going to win $50,000. You know what I mean? But the difference is, is these, these guys go get on and don't get me wrong. I was the same way. However, I would push myself in the practice pen. I would test myself. And there was people that would make sure that I would test myself. Mainly the guys that had these bulls that, they wanted to see if somebody could ride, right? Especially in college, uh, Daryl Hargis, he was he was bringing neon knights. Neon knights came right. to our practice pen in college um, as a three year old. They had to get him bucked, and and yeah, and he's like, I need you to test this one because he's fixing to go to the PBR, yeah. and I'm like, okay. 
and yeah i'd either get you know slammed really hard or i'd make a really good bull ride but it 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 made me you know who i was at that point and it gave me a leg up because i was pushing myself and that's what joe says doing and just because he's the number one bull rider in the world doesn't make him perfect right and he understands Nobody's that. Nobody's ever going to be perfect. Well, he understands that. That's the biggest thing. Like, it's so cool to see that he gets it to that extent to where if something goes wrong, he's got to fix it before he gets there. And that's why he's getting on 10 bulls. That's why J.B. Mooney did the same exact thing and won his two world titles uh, because he's getting on that many bulls. Every single week. And you can see it playing out in their brain. As, as soon as they're done, as soon as they buck off one, which for Jose hasn't happened very often lately, as soon as he bucks off, you can see it in his brain. He's running through everything that just happened, and he's trying to fix it not before next weekend, before the next bull. Yeah. That's, you know, that's the other part of it, too, is I think it takes a special individual. I now, don't get me wrong. I think there, any individual can find that sweet spot mm-hmm. mentally, but he has a leg up on a lot of guys. Right. You know, um, he doesn't. You don't see Joe say throwing stuff when he leaves the arena. It's okay. I know what I did wrong. Yep. This is done, and he literally does forget about it. That was one of the things. Another thing that I would change about myself. I let my emotions you know, determine the outcome of the next several rides. I kicked a freaking sign one time and I had to buy it from the PBR and it was $500. I put my boot all the way through it. It's funny you say that because Shane Proctor and I talked um, about losing and I'm a big fan of sore losers. I think that if you're a sore loser or if you're a good loser, you're a loser. Okay. I think there's a way to harness those emotions, though. I think everybody that's competitive should be a sore loser, but you shouldn't always outwardly express that. Yeah. It, it should be inside, and you should fix it. It's so funny, though, because, like, I, you know, I see all these things now, and yeah. when I was in that moment, I couldn't hey, see crap. I was in college for, like, six or eight years <laughs> and didn't get a degree, so I completely understand. But like, I couldn't see anything. I'm inside this box, and I think, just all the wrong things and and it's so much simpler but you're than, so consumed by the fun things because you think i'm not going to be able to have fun the rest of my life it's going to eventually turn into work and and all this serious stuff so i gotta have fun 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 there's more fun grabbing all the fun you can instead of no we, we sometimes we live life backwards when we should be serious focused and driven in the early stages so that when we get old and we retire, we can get the RV and go travel across country. That's right. Generations have changed because now it's like, no, I just, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. I want to have as much fun as I can where like our grandparents work their ass off so that eventually in life they could enjoy things together. Mm-hmm. We kind of do that backwards now. A lot yeah. of people do. Yeah, I think so, man. It's- um, we, we talk, uh, and I heard you and Justin McBride talking earlier, um, both making very similar transitions from inside the arena to inside the broadcast booth. Is that fun for you? I mean, like what's that transition like? Yeah, I love it, man. Um, 
I, you know, whenever I quit riding bulls, I would have loved to just jump right off into doing something like that. It's always did stuff, you know, for, we did the Ford, uh, invasions right. and connected. every time the PBR asked me to do something, I, you know, jumped right on it. Right. So wh- whatever. Big boy job. <laughs> but you also got a big boy job. I did. I did have, I did. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. Like, so when I quit, like it was, what am I going to do? You know? And I, I, I liked uh, real estate and I was going to try to get in, but I was a little bit green at it. And so it wasn't quite spinning as fast. And I ended up getting a job uh, with an oil and gas company, a service company and in Texas and man it it was a blessing for me i worked there for five years uh worked my way all the way up to the top of the company and um was kind of taken back from that but i you know i think i think it says something about bull riders right they they have a great solid work ethic Mm -hmm. you know and it's all it's all about winning right yeah regardless of what it is whether it's bull riding or you know helping run a company Success it, is the driving that's force, it. no matter what. And and if you put and th- and that's and that's a good thing, right? To you know really make it similar to what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I made sure and I put that company first over everything. I put that company over the employees that worked underneath me. I put that over our um, you know over our competitors. <laughs> I put it right. over our clients. Uh, if it's good for the company, then it's a good decision, right? And so I think a bull rider can take that same situation. Is it good for my bull riding? Right. Right? And block everything else out. You essentially have just created tunnel vision. And if that's your mindset and all you care about is for the benefit of your bull riding career, how could it get worse? It comes down to what's best for business. And in this industry, uh, you formerly, the athletes that are in the locker room now, business is this sport of bull riding. Not just in the arena, though. I think guys are starting to now realize that what's best for business is your public um, character. People are starting to see more than, you know, because we live in a world of social media. It's different, bud. It's different than it was even 10 years ago. Yeah. 20 years ago, especially. Everybody's got their individual brand. And some guys are starting to realize that and capitalize on the fact that building their brand is best for their overall business. Yeah, it's so crazy, man, because we obviously saw there wasn't phones back in the Absolutely. day when we were yep. going, you know, and so My first like, cell phone yeah. was in a bag and plugged into the cigarette lighter, had a cord. It was a bag phone. I, I These remember, guys don't even know what that is. I remember vividly, like, we were at one of the one of the uh, Built Ford Tough events, and Travis Briscoe had this I, brand new iPhone. It was like this big old, and I'm yep. thinking, well, look at that thing. Like, it's all lit up. I had, like, a Nokia something. I don't know, you know? Zach Morris cell phone. That's it was, some, like, this Something big that wasn't thing. like that, yeah. you know? But it obviously changed, right? And I I really think that it's so funny to see because when, you, when I rewind the situation, Brendan Clark understood it. He did. He like, absolutely Brendan did. Clark kept preaching to me about this social media thing and this Twitter that was going on, and I'm like, I don't even understand this. Like, what? 
why I didn't even see the big picture, but he got it. Like he understood where it was going to go, uh, which was so cool, you know, to see to see it now. It's right. like this guy's. Well, and how beneficial it's become because there's guys that are signing contracts just because of things on social media. I talked to Ezekiel Mitchell the other day, and he's got a, a whole new Snapchat show that's coming out just kind of based on him. So, you know, when you flip up your Snapchat stories, like there's going to be a show every week or every other week that has Ezekiel Mitchell and his buddies as the star. It's so cool to see, man, because I, I think, look, as – as uh, to myself as i am right i just i try like i'm not that great at the social media deal and i sometimes don't you know no offense i you know i just don't don't, like it i just don't like i just don't like everybody knowing what i'm doing all the time like i don't really care to have that i sorry like but I think it is beneficial for these riders, and you know, and they're they're right. And I'm look, I'm nobody. Like I don't, nobody needs to follow me or know what I'm doing, right? But for a guy like Ezekiel, there's a lot of fans out there. Um, all of these young guys that are coming up that they want to know what's going on, and I think it helps them in the long run. And it's a very smart idea to to brand yourself. Okay, like that. but flip side of that for me. I love seeing, because we don't talk on the phone every day. We don't live close to each other. So when you're posting that Cutter just had hockey practice or that you guys are out on the tractor, for me, as a friend, I feel like I'm keeping up with your life and I know what you're doing. So in that aspect, to me, it's important. Let's be honest with Nobody likes walking around with a cell phone held up in the air or anything like that. Are you sure? I'm positive. I promise you. I'm Well... (laughs) President company, I promise you. But the guys give me crap all the time about, you know, oh, yeah, we saw you posted your workout on social media. You know why? It's because of the one person that will send me a message and say, hey, you motivated me to go do something today because of your story where like, I was 300 pounds before I ever entered a gym. I was 22 years old when I first entered, you know, for the first time went in to work out. And a lot of people don't realize that because they just see what they see now. My backstory, though, has motivated some people. And if people can get hope from little things like that, all of it's then worth it's, it. Uh, yeah, it's all worth it. A hundred percent. You talk about the work and putting in that work. Um, that's It's kind of becoming a job now. Social media is part of a job now, whether we like it or not. Speaking yeah. of. Job that I'm not going to get. I, <laughs> uh, I mentioned Cutter. Have you been on the ice lately? No, man. Like, <laughs> look, COVID shut it down. And I'll be honest with you, man, he... He hadn't said one word about it. Really? Yeah. So you and think he's over the hockey hump? I think so, man. Maybe we're going to go with golf. I'm not sure. We're going to, you know. But not bull riding. Not bull riding, you know. And he, like, he talks about it, right? right? He would he would love to do it, but it's just not going to happen. I love when we talked before the story was, but how am I going to win buckles? That yes. was his big thing was he was looking at daddy's buckles and, and he was trying to figure out how he was going to win buckles. Yeah, so just for the people that don't know, Cutter broke his collarbone on a sheep at six years old and wow. I forced him to change his sport. And, and he picked hockey. That's what I was going to say. So he wants to he wants to be a cowboy, yep. rides sheep, breaks his collarbone, and you tell him he can pick anything else other than bull riding, right? That's exactly right. And I didn't give him multiple choice. And you're and living I, in Texas. So we're in Texas. I have no idea where he came up with hockey other than he's got some cousins that live in St. Louis, Katie's uh, side of the family. 
and they play hockey up there and i maybe got it from there i'm not sure but uh he you look and he was going hardcore but for me you like it i'm not gonna push him in any sport right like i'm not gonna force him to do anything um if he doesn't you know really care about it right so if whatever he does and that's what i tell him like i don't care what you do but whatever you do i want you to give it a hundred percent be fully committed to doing your absolute best when you do it he's a kid he's nine years old right right? and so for me i didn't get serious about bull riding steer riding right i was riding serious uh but until I was 12 years old, and I think every kid has that moment to where it's not your parents pushing you, right. it's you pushing your parents, right? And so right now, uh, I was I was him, but going to a, a bull riding, just, you know, carried to a bull riding, okay, yeah. we're going to another bull riding, you know, whatever. Didn't think anything about it, and that's Cutter, right? You know, we drive him to hockey practice and hockey mm-hmm. games or whatever, and he doesn't think anything of it. But whenever that clicks for him and he really, really wants it, yep. whatever he's doing, he's going to be pushing me. Yep. Hey, we need to go practice. Hey, I need to, you know, enter me up in this tournament or do whatever, you know. So that's – I'll wait for that moment. Yeah, and and it'll be fun. Yeah. When, when that happens, all of a sudden, it'll be fun. It will um, be fun. I want to talk, I want to go back a little bit because we were talking about, you know, injuries and stuff like that and and not to dive too much into it, but there's a story that I want you to tell about Salt Lake City and J.W. Hart. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. I do know what you're talking about. It's so funny because uh, actually we were in Guthrie the other day and somebody we were standing there, J.W. and somebody else, and somebody brought that up and JW didn't even remember. Of course, this he didn't. Story, but we were in Salt Lake City, and I had this uh, this bull of Julio Moranos, one of those whitewater skull bulls, high water, I think was his name. And he's, you know, whatever out there. Next thing I know, I'd have, you know, I'm in Tandy's sports medicine room. Is the next thing I know, I'm sitting on the end of a table. And I'm obviously have already asked this question before, but like, what happened? What am I doing in here? It's one you know? of the 38 times. Right. right. <laughs> so I was knocked unconscious. And, they, and, and um, I, well, as I say this question, like, hey, what, what happened? And Tandy's like, where, you know, where are you? And I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea where I'm at. Um, JW goes, Colby. Look in your pocket. He didn't call me Colby. He's got another name for me. Uh, <laughs> that it never fails. That I guess that's my name. I thought that's just what he called everybody, but obviously it's just me. That's funny. Um, anyway, so he tells me, look in your pocket. So I look in my pocket, and there's this little note on a white piece of paper, like a little bitty, like a, like a sticky notepad or whatever. And it says, you are in Salt Lake City. You got on big yellow bull, went left, dot, dot, dot. Yes, he went left. <laughs> and I just couldn't, like, I was, no, there's no possible way this he goes bull right. went left and, and knocked me out. What do you mean I didn't make the whistle? Like, no way. 
It was so funny, man. They laughed, and of course, JW does remember that, but he thought the story was pretty funny uh, the other day when I told it in Guthrie. But, you know, that's that's just, you know, how it was. And they're all different. You know, sometimes I remembered, sometimes I didn't. But, um, but I bring that up because now, fast forward, um, outside of the arena, you have a very firsthand knowledge of head injuries. And so I see you a lot of times passing some of that information on to some of the younger guys, helping them get through some of those issues because it's not always fun, uh, especially when a doctor's telling you, you you can't ride today or whatever, but you understand you've been there. And so I, I just love this about you. You're constantly talking to those guys and, and trying to help them learn from some of the things you've went through. You've well, taken over a mentor role. Whether you wanted to or not. Well, this like, is a dangerous game, right? And I, I think that the one thing that I've also learned is, you know, I, as much as I've already sit here previously and talked about how important it is to be, you know, 100% committed to your bull riding career and make sure you do everything possible to make sure, you know, that you get everything out of that you want. Um, as much as I say that, at the end of the day, it's just a bull riding career because I promise you, I have learned that life outside of bull riding uh, is far more important than bull riding was, yeah. you know? And so as a person, we've got some great guys, man, like the bull riders. Yep, we do. Good, good group of guys. And and I become so involved with them that I really care about their well-being and so when i see uh, i've obviously dealt with this stuff and i went you know I've, I've been to some professional institutions that deal with this particular thing with wounded warriors and football right. players and all these different people and i picked up a lot of things from uh from those you know i guess learning uh stages uh and and classes that you kind of go through uh with those that can maybe help them out um but we, as me and you have done the the um, sports performance center, you know, through the Western Sports Foundation, they have stepped up big, huge man. Like oh, Western Sports Foundation, I wish was around whenever, uh, whenever I was riding like it is today. You know, um, for the guys, because so many resources that they're able to use. Doctor Alessi is a neurologist. Um, that and it's not just sport. I mean, it's every aspect, whether it's psychology, whether it's nutrition. Financial. Exactly. It's huge, man. Because that's one of the hardest things for a bull rider, I think. You know, as much as we talk about the work inside of the arena. It is. I think one of the hardest things, and honestly, that was a question I was going to ask you, is what's the hardest thing for a bull rider? But we've talked about this so much. At the end of that career, knowing what to do, knowing how to work through your finances during your career, like... That's a big aspect of this sport that guys and people, fans in general, don't understand. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that that's a very hard part. You know, one of the one of the things that really you've got to learn on your own. I mean, not, when you talk about these guys that come from the PRCA or, you know, just start off going in the bull riding uh, and PBR, they have to figure this out on their own. They've got to learn how to manage these finances mm -hmm. because there's typically nobody there telling them you know right a lot of these guys have their parents kind of guiding them in the right direction but some of them don't and some of them have to figure out the hard way where you know they write a couple hot checks and 
it goes the wrong way when they don't win and they they learn the hard way and they got to figure out how to how to be ready to pay your taxes at the end of the year mm-hmm. when you win a boatload of money you know right uh and you just blow through it we've seen everything right i mean this sport we've seen guys do it all um but i think that's an that is one really important part that i i excited when we get in that group environment mm-hmm. to see the guys um really light up when it gets into that they get super interested and it's super new involved. information it's new information and they start to realize that there's people out there that care about their well-being long term and i think that that lights a little spark maybe it flips a switch for some of those guys and they realize there's people that are going to help me in my my real life, not just in the bull ride. Well, and it's good it's good to see you know that they're interested in what's going to happen after yeah. bull riding because I know I was one of those guys that wasn't interested in that. Yeah, I just thought I'll ride bulls till I'm eighty, and then you know because you were in me, a locker room with a lot of eighty year old yeah, bull. Yeah, me and Ronnie Kitchens will just retire together. I mean, that's just it. <laughs> Uh, let's go back. I think it was it 2004 made to the NFR. 2002, right? Yeah. But uh, how many times did you go? Just once. Just I once. got hurt. Just 2002. Yeah. The next few years, I was dealing with shoulder surgeries and broken bones. And so, what year did you first start chasing the PBR? 2006. Like I, so 2003, four, and five uh, were. Throwaways. Really about half, yeah, there's throwaways, there's about half a year's, um, and 2006, I, you know, f- like four and five, I was like kind of dabbling, like 2004, I went to Ross Coleman's bull riding in Oregon, I won that deal, um, I remember riding a bull called French Fry, that was pretty tough for a lot of guys to get by the big old muley bull, but anyway, I rode him uh, to win that deal, and uh, I thought, yeah, and you know Brandon Clark and Ross were like, "Man, you got to come, you got to come." Mm-hmm. But I don't know what it was. I think a lot of it was confidence. I mean, can I compete with? There's a heavy set of group of guys that were riding then, right? Uh, and so I just, you know, maybe I just didn't fully believe in myself at that point in time. But a lot of it probably had to do with the injuries that I, you know, dealt with over those last few years. But 2006, I was at the point where I said, "You know what?" I don't care about my PRCA qualifications right. anymore. It doesn't matter to me. I'll lose every one of them. I'm going full force in the PBR, and it didn't take me long. Yeah, uh, you know, went to the tour, which would have been like velocity deals, but they were just touring pro division events. Um, didn't have velocity back then, uh, and it didn't. But take you had me. to go, and you had to qualify. You had to go and qualify, and right? And I made I made the first cut. Like it was, you know, me and JB mm-hmm. came in same bull riding. I think Portland, Oregon, maybe was our first. Um, built for tough. Gotcha. Billy Robinson. We all came together. Yeah. Um, but once I got here, it was. I realized it was the real deal, and that's the thing. Like I, you know, it with this monster team challenge. The the one thing that I really look at is. I can't wait for these rodeo guys to get here and see how cool it is, and see what it's like to really be. Um. I guess put on a pedestal. Yeah. And because have the red carpet rolled out for you because that's what it is here and that's what the PBR does for you and you realize like holy crap. This is very professional. This environment is 
you know. It's next level. Period. And you get a bag with wheels on it. <laughs> Even as an announcer, I get a bag with wheels on it, and I get this <laughs> sweet leather jacket in November in the desert of Las Vegas that nobody needs. Um and then that buckle that comes with with being a part of this organization is something we all, everybody, even announcers, and I don't care who you are in the world, like, there's part of you that wants a PBR Finals announcer buckle if you are in this industry. Uh, same in Pro Rodeo, the National Finals. Those guys, they that's what they want. That's what we've worked towards. And, you know, you come here. I, I'm glad you brought up the team challenge. Um, we won't talk about present tense but i'll go back to a little over a year ago in a hotel room in pueblo colorado i specifically remember asking you do you think we'll ever see a time in western sports where coaches are implemented and you said absolutely i think i think we will fast forward a year we're setting in las vegas the monster energy team challenge there's captains there's general managers uh there's teams mm-hmm and it's given these guys a whole new aspect uh, on looking at an individual sport. So cool, man. Like it is. it is it is so cool. And my hat's off to Sean Gleason and his team for setting this deal up and mm-hmm. really kind of formulating number one, the Global Cup. Right. You know, it stems from that. We've tried and you know, we talked to um Jerome Davis last night, you know, they had the Winston tour back in the day, you know I mean? Like yeah. they've tried this before, yep. but I think timing is everything, right? And the PBR did such a good job of creating uh, the Global Cup and, and not only just creating the Global Cup, but creating the fan base around it and making it into what it is. I think from that, we can stem off and have this Monster Energy Team Challenge, and it's hit. Right. I think it's huge. I think, it, I, to be honest, I really feel like this is the way that the sport is going, as it's been individual, you know, forever. Um, I think this gets these guys motor running and, you know, probably should see more rides, Um in this in the team competitions that we've seen so far right but man the bull power is just like it's tough i want to take it a step further because nearly three decades ago the pbr was created to give cowboys an opportunity fast forward to 2020 the world is shut down uh western sports have been hit on a pause no rodeos no bull ridings um pbr continues to go back to that word opportunity for athletes in this in this genre and to the point where not only they create all this protocol but they create new events a new format just to give bull riders an opportunity yeah and it's not just bull riders it's me and you it's the family like it's everybody that is involved in the pbr that works for the pbr on a daily basis uh they're 1099 contractors, right? And they, they have to feed their family, and the PBR understands that. The other thing that I like about this, this particular event, um, probably the first time that we've ever seen kind of a co-mingling of the PRCA and the PBR guys coming together. And, all and of a couple of guys, kids that aren't either one. All of these guys were handpicked mm-hmm. by the bull riders. The captains that we all set um, – 
their team. And, and that's what's so cool. It's like the other part of what's cool about it is if you didn't get picked, there's your wake-up call. Time to go back to the drawing board. Right. Fix what's broken. Yep. If, if you're sitting back home wondering why you got picked. There's work that needs to be done somewhere. You should have already started working. And that, that's the thing that, like, it's its a reality check. It's a slap in the face, but it's so cool. It's a perfect way. Let me tell you what. Michael Jordan didn't even make the junior varsity team. You know what that did, obviously. Everybody knows what it did. But not everybody knows that he didn't make the junior varsity team. But if they realize where he went from that point in time, it's because he got slapped in the face. Yeah. That they told him he wasn't good enough. Well, here, these bull riders that you ride with every weekend are telling you that you're not good enough. Not right now, but you could be. If you take it like that, you got to love what that does for a guy. You know? I mean, it's it's just so cool to see. That's It's a great way to look at it. And I think a lot of people will just throw their sucker in the dirt and be like, uh, was the last kid picked in kickball? No. Start kicking every day. Start working every day. Um, what does this little guy mean to you? Because these masks are something that... Well, that doesn't be, mean anything become, to me because that's not my team colors. Okay. Okay. The mask in general, because we've talked about it, not everybody's super comfortable wearing them. They're not the coolest thing. They don't look cool. Yeah. But, but they've opened a door for us to work. Yeah, uh, I love the mask. I'm going to tell you what. I, it's so funny because rewind a little bit before – once this – as soon as this hit, right? So it's been right the 1st of March. Uh, Katie and Cutter and I were at the beach in Florida, and I had a plane ticket for all of us to come home. Right. And stuff was shutting down, and it was really close that they may have been shutting our flights down. We had the choice to go. And we also had a choice to wear a mask. A choice. Yeah. Now you have to wear a mask. But we had a choice. And Cutter chose to wear a mask. And we were fine with that. But we chose not to. Because it's so funny because you look at... You rewind back before this, you're like, why do these people wear masks? Like, what? I don't right. understand. Like, that doesn't make any sense. But now... It makes a lot of sense, and I'm okay with it. Like, if this is what we need to do, um, the protocols are in place, and I understand them. You know, I, I think I understand way more than I did when we started this deal in Guthrie. Um, I have a better understanding. I think that, yes, um, COVID-19 is real. I think people are catching it. Um, I don't care if I catch it. It doesn't, you know, I'm not scared of it. I dipped Copenhagen. I'm pretty sure Chris Ledoux said that that cures everything. So I'm not scared about it. But <laughs> but but I don't want to give it to my family, you know, uh, and then them, them give it to theirs. So whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. And, you know, I, I think that it's just something that everybody has to work together to make sure that you're doing it right. Uh, for for us to be able to continue to go to work and this whole deal like i like i said you know it's so cool to see because 
you know, we're talking about PRCA and PBR, and this isn't about associations. And I talked about this before, you know, last week on our shows or the first, you know, set of games. This is about, you know, and getting an industry back to work. Right. An entire safe, industry. An entire industry in a safe manner. And if other sports can follow this protocol and this program that the PBR has put in place and succeed, awesome. Uh, other sports have started that. And speaking of other sports, I'm really, really glad you brought that up because I want to get on my Twitter machine here real quick and I want to bring something up and uh, bring something to your attention if I can find it, which shouldn't be too bad. I got a tweet this week and I was tagged in this and I won't say the writer or where it came from. You know what I'm talking about? No. Oh, okay. I don't do tweets. All right. Sports ranked by difficulty. Sports ranked by difficulty. Just shot in the dark. Guess, where do you think bull riding landed on this list? Who who made the list? Doesn't matter. Where do you think bull riding fit in this list in terms of uh, sports ranked by difficulty? Well, I... Where would you put it? I'd put it number one. I've done Me it too. before. I know how difficult it is. And I think is. everybody at home watching would agree it's a pretty easy number one. Not in the minds of whoever wrote this list. Did they even make the list? They started with boxing. They went to ice hockey, football, basketball, wrestling. Those are the top five. Bull riding lands at a whopping number 42. 42? 42. Oh, I thought you said out of 10. No, no, no. Just, uh. Just... In the world. So um, I'm going to throw a couple that, okay. that got ahead of bull riding and just kind of get your thoughts. Ping pong. Tennis. 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 What about ping pong? Uh, let me look here. Tennis is one. Volleyball is another one that, according to this writer, is more difficult than bull riding. Um, Who's the writer? Can team you get handball. This is the one that I'm going to leave you on. This is this is the one that got me. In at what number thirty. In at number thirty on the list of sports ranked by difficulty. Badminton. Badminton. Badminton is more difficult than bull riding. Wow. That tells Who me is this guy. Uh, some idiot. That's all I know. Some idiot. Wow, he must be from Oklahoma. <laughs> Oh, come on, man. Okay, uh, okay. So. listen. If you're from Oklahoma and you're listening to this, that was just a joke. I loved to just give Matt West uh, a little crap. It's it's the old Oklahoma-Texas yeah, rivalry yeah. that's never going to die. It's like this the sport. The Red River rivalry. That's right. It's like the guys in the locker room that continue to put everything on the line uh, for an industry, for this sport. It's never going to die. And I couldn't be more proud to be a part of it. I couldn't be happier that we're back in Vegas. Uh, I, I lo- I've told you this before. Love being in the booth with you. I feel like I get more excited about the sport just being around you because um, you you have that much passion for what's happening here. I so. do, man. It's ex- it's so exciting to see, man. And I I just I'm fortunate that I'm able to still be around this sport uh, because I love it so much, you know. And I always have. Um, and 
it's so fun to see the stories and talk about you know what's going on and and hopefully um be able to help some of these guys get what they want out of it you know yep last question i'm gonna leave you on this how difficult was it to get beat by Justin McBride's team in the first game of this team challenge? You were the general manager, Justin McBride's team. You lost. If I, dude, oh. <laughs> they take your temperature <laughs> before you even can get into this building that we're sitting in. And I was super surprised that I passed because I'm so mad. Still, I'm steaming. 24 hours later. It was a bad deal. What do you tell your guys? I told them a lot. <laughs> I told them a lot. Uh, yeah, I. you talk about it. I'm okay. I, I'm a nice guy. I like everybody. I'm just, I try to be a nice guy, oh. right? And that got the best of me last night. Yeah. Um, we should have won that game. Ty Wallace, man, look, dynamite. Cody Nance, my team is Cody Nance, uh, Shane Proctor, Ty Wallace. We lost Boudreaux. We now have um, Cody Casper waiting in the wings, and he's he's great. He's ready to go. Those three first three individuals, um, you know, but Ty stood out big time. Mm -hmm. His first bull, he rides bushwhacked like it was nothing. Easy. Slips down, grabs his rope at 7.9 seconds. Review, boom, he's out, no score. Mental error. Mental error. That was it. Look, every, happened. if you're a bull rider, you've done it before. More than likely, Justin McBride, who we're talking about, has probably done that before. I don't know if he has, but everybody else. He might have. He might have. I've also seen Justin McBride get thrown off before he hit the end of the buck and shoot before, too. So I know that people don't think that that can happen, but it happens it to everybody. Happens. Uh, it didn't happen maybe just that one time. But... Uh, at the end of the day, uh, this was my chance to beat Justin McBride because I couldn't do it in the bull riding. Couldn't do it in music because he played the Grand Ole Opry. Could do it in music. Had a chance to do it here. Had a chance. Maybe. Really Maybe good chance, man. But look, at at the end of the day, I took all the blame for it yeah. because I looked down at Ty. He rides his bull. He's 72 points. He told Jay no. He didn't want to take the re-ride. And I didn't even know what the re-ride was. I'm up there. I don't even. I'm right, like. Doing whatever. TV. Yeah. And I'm thinking, why? And he goes, well, I've been on this bull. I don't like. He doesn't fit me at all, man. I just don't like him. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's exhausted. He's, you know, rode two bulls back to back. And I'm like, you. He's, that's a good bull. And he's like. Yeah, I, he's he doesn't fit me. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, he's already out of this deal. I'm like, well, gosh dang. You know, okay. Yeah. So, I, I you know, I, I let the, I guess the type of person I am where I'm like, oh, he doesn't want to, okay, I get it, you know. Uh-uh. Yeah. Ain't gonna happen anymore. And so I told him, I, you know, I don't really know Ty that well. Um, and he might not like me anymore. Uh, but I told him last night to be very candid. I don't give a shit about your emotions. I don't. I don't care. Yeah. The only thing I care about is winning, which is the only thing you should care about. And so next time, 
take yourself out of the equation. If you're exhausted, don't worry about that. Because your team's going to be exhausted from the loss. Yeah. Um, and it's I love bull that. riding. Things could have went however, right? right? He's got Lucas Davino's got Dusty's revenge, who more than likely he's not going to stay on. They hate this bull, and that's already in their mind. And he bucks off that bull. We win. Right. But gets a re ride. Yep. I'm the guy who always, every time we're every together, every time. Every, there's never been a time where I'm like, oh, you should keep that score. No. But sometimes. And I said this to you last night after the show. Sometimes people need to realize that other people believe in them more than they believe in themselves. And I think that that's a big kind of kick it, in the ass sometimes. It may be, but I also want to bring, you know, I, I want to bring to light, and, and I will be bringing this to light on Ride Pass tonight because I think this is a very valid statement. Um, two totally different worlds that we're talking about, the PBR and the PRCA. And Ty Wallace has not experienced the PBR. This is his, you know, really, essentially his first full experience of the PBR. They go all year long. And if they don't like the bull, what do they do? They turn out. No thanks. They visible injury. They doctor release. There's some way, there's three ways, actually, to get out of getting on a bull that you don't want to get on. There's more than that because I've done it. There's no, <laughs> there's no. <laughs> I've been doing it for years. People trying to pressure me. But that's me into the that. difference. And hey, you're 72 points. Yep. Option rewrite. Eh, I'm okay. I'll take my day money. Yeah. And I'll go to the next one. Live to it's fight another day. Totally different because here in the PBR, neither one of those work. Yep. A, if you don't like the bull you get on, you're getting on. Too bad. Yeah. B, if you're 72 points. You take the re-ride. Right. There, it's it's plain and simple. The choice is already made for you before the before it even happens. Like you can't. There's so many times where I didn't like the draw that I had, but it didn't matter. Right. I still had to try a hundred percent to make the whistle, and I think that this this look this team looked really good last really night. Really good. Yeah. Uh, and I'm hoping we've got a tough team tonight um, with Matt Triplett, Dalton Castle, uh, and and Ryan Dirt Eater. It's going to be really tough. It'll but be a dogfight. I told these guys that they, it doesn't matter who they're playing. The only thing that they need to worry about is what's in front of them. Let the numbers play their own, you know, play out their own self. But you play your own game. Do what you're here to do. Block out the outside noise. Don't worry about everything else. And and I think everything will take care of itself. And obviously, uh, if Ty will ride for 10, or just ride until Frank tells him to get off, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, I mean, that's just, like, I, you know. That's a, good, that's a good strategy to have. One, let's, let's leave on a highlight because we talked a little bit earlier about you making the national finals rodeo. You had two two records there the for the high-marked ride in those individual rounds. Um, I see you're wearing a, a World Finals go-round buckle. Iron Cowboy on the resume. Um, when you look back at your career, biggest highlight, what's the one thing that you you sit back and, and almost as a fan go, I did that? Oh, man, I don't know. They all run together for me. I think every time that I you know did good was 
pretty cool. You know, it's such a cool feeling. I like the feeling of winning. Uh, that was one of the things that uh, drove me to keep you riding every year, you know. But uh, making the NFR was something that was a big thing to me. I could, I can't, you know, I can't take it back because there's so many times where I wish I would have come to the PBR earlier. But when I look back at it, I just can't take that back. That moment at the NFR was something really special to me. Um, but, you know, I, it was a different situation, you know, for me, I can't understand now why guys even rodeo because, and nothing against the PRC. I, I, I loved the PRC. I thought it was, you know, fine and, and, uh, great rodeos, great committees, uh, good people. Um, but to me, I don't understand because, I always wanted to be the best and you know when I was a kid it was it was only the NFR Mm -hmm. when I was you know aspiring to be a bull rider at a young age there was no PBR Uh, I watched its inception I went to the first bull riding at Fort Worth uh, at Stockyards Mm -hmm. and it you know but so since I was a kid, I thought I, I got to go to the NFR, and I've always, you know, I always put that, you know, on on my bucket list to do. And so I did that first, and then I moved over. But for a kid now, I'm thinking, why? Why would you not just want to immediately go to the PBR? The money, uh, the endorsement opportunities, the, the television, the as a comp- best bulls as a, in the world consistently. As a as a bull rider, the competition plays as much of a factor in it than all the other stuff that you just mentioned although those things right. are super important right. obviously probably the most important but the competition is the real driver for for the guys that are riding and i think that is why i don't really understand it but um you know to each his own i also think there are some guys that that should go rodeo for a little bit right and then come back and try well and you've been open i mean that's what you did and uh, you got the confidence to come to this level, be competitive at this level, be a winner at this level. Last thing, you mentioned bucket list and the NFR being on the bucket list, PBR being on that bucket list. Is there anything else on that bucket list uh, in this world? Because I have a bucket list thing that, that I have for you. I just want to see if it's anywhere in your mind. <laughs> I do. I, I genuinely do. You mean like just big accomplishments or anything. what? I mean, yeah. I- the Iron Cowboy was a huge win for me, and it was a win at. But I'm talking. Back. I'm talking now. Anything else? Anything from this point forward? Man, you know the the thing for me is just my family. Like it's such a big deal to me. Like my holy crap, I'm fortunate, man. Right. And and it's a. It's so it's so crazy because number one, I never thought, never thought I was gonna get married. I was kind of wild, like really wild. And if you don't believe that, go back and uh, Google some of the old Colby Yates music. Yeah, don't do that in the beginning. I mentioned one day Napster. I'm have to explain that to my kid. I mentioned Napster on the last podcast because that's you where did. I got introduced to Colby Yates. Yeah, that's... didn't know each other at that time. Uh, for me, like you're a Hall of Famer in my book, all day every day. Uh, you're you're a Hall of Famer. Not just because of your resume and what you've done in the arena, but I think that the Ring of Honor it, it exemplifies what a guy does for the sport. Not just in the sport, 
but outside of the sport and what you continue to do for the athletes, what you do for the fans on on a microphone, on camera, what you continue to do as an ambassador for this entire industry. First ballot <laughs> Hall of Famer. Oh, my, my God. I mean that. I that- mean that. As a friend, but more so as a fan. Well, I think that's a big statement, you know? Like, and it's something that obviously... I make big statements. I, <laughs> Get I on would, board, yeah, buddy. Yeah, no, man. Uh, yeah, that's... Uh, it's not something that I would expect to get, you know, ever. So it's, you know, if if I ever did get that, though, I guarantee you it would top everything else because that's something that it doesn't... It's not, I mean, obviously it has a lot to do with what you did inside the arena, um, which there's so many people out there, I think, that are deserving of it, you know? And and I agree. There's been a lot of great bull riders. But there's not this immense amount of, uh, of great bull riders that continue to give back to the industry. And I think that that's where, man, guys like you, J.W. Hart, Justin McBride, uh, there's there's a few of you that are so far ahead of the field and everything else. Anyways, you're not going to argue with me on that. That's well, no, my okay. opinion. I'm, I won't argue with 100% you. 100% my man. opinion. Uh, Hall of Famer all day, every day. Um, I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, I, I, just done love, this I just love the sport. I don't really like you that much, but I love the sport. Good. Because we're going to turn <laughs> the cameras off and have a real conversation. Guys, uh, thanks again for joining us. Colby Yates, Hall of Famer in my book, Iron Cowboy, National Finals, PBR Finals, Ride TV, Ride Pass. You've done it all. Um, One of my favorite human beings in the whole world. So thanks for doing this. It's Colby Yates, everybody. Get the hell out of here. Boom.